Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me as always is my compatriot, Sean the Arcade Phantom. How's it going, Craig? Doing great, because we have a special guest with us today. We do? We do. We have a very special friend. Maybe more special to me. I don't know, it's pretty special to me. (laughs) Today, we have our buddy, Andy. Andy, that's your cue, Andy. Hi. How's it going, Andy? Hey. Hey, guys. (laughs) You're going to do this to me, aren't you? What station is this on? I, my mom's asking me what what she can catch me on. KBBL. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, they only the machine. <laughs> like, the, don't you have to stand within 30 feet of the, the radio? Or no, that's the jazz station. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most powerful jazz station in America. Uh, so today we have Andy, who is uh, uh been a buddy of mine since 19... 19- we Andy. 1993 uh and uh as far as that goes uh i've i've brought him up on episodes of noiseland arcade i think we just Legend brought him up on Smartline not too long ago didn't we Did, oh didn't we bring up a comedy bit of andy's y'all talking shit y'all talking <laughs> shit <laughs> no we were talking what? shit about people with uh oh god west, west nile, nile? oh no well luckily the coronavirus has really helped me out and taking the pressure off my bit uh, oh yeah i just got out of that neck of the woods from 13 <laughs> years ago wow yeah 13 years ago uh so everybody today we're talking about a streetcar named marge sean when did this episode first air october 1st 1992 yeah so in this drama filled episode marge tries out for a part in a play and all the while homer frustrates his wife so Let's talk about what was going on uh, on this day in history. So October 1st, 1992. Andy, you said that you found uh, something for us. Yes. Uh, one of the most memorable Boys to Men songs, uh, The End of the Road, had come out at this time. Uh, it's very heartfelt. Uh, really hits you in the gut. Um, lovely song. Um, I believe it was on uh, the same album as Motown Philly was on. Um, yeah, I, I can't not listen to it without without you know crying a little bit, so... I think that we all yeah. don't do that. That's weird. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I'm pretty sure I've heard that song at at least four funerals in my lifetime, yeah. which shows my well, age. It's funny. There's, I think it's in Lethal Weapon 3. It's played in a funeral scene. Is so, it? yeah. Is it? So it's, uh, well, no, it's it's just, it was, it was also our, our class's song. Was it? Not a lot of people know that because not everyone went to our prom. But yeah, what's it that was like? Our, that was <laughs> dumb as shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it it was uh, yeah. It's it's a very depressing song, especially for like a class like at that point. Like I think all all the smart kids in our class realize like oh grades clearly don't matter in the real world. Like <laughs> this is it for me. Like I'm gonna go to college and become anonymous and like no one's gonna care anymore. Uh, school yeah. government was when I peaked. Um, so that's, I think that's what the song really meant for, for our, <laughs> our friends and classmates. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm glad I was drinking alcohol alone on prem. I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. Nerd. So I've got mm-hmm. some kind of sad news for you. Yeah. What is the best role-playing game to never make it to America? Cause we're huge role-playing game fans. Uh, the best role-playing game to never make it to America. I would argue out of any system, but we're going to say just on the Super Nintendo, because you can argue Mother 3 is the one debate to this. Well, there's Final Fantasy V we didn't get. Uh, there's a, like a few front mission games. Uh, Seiken Densets 3? Nope. What are we talking? We're talking Dragon Quest V was released September 27th. <sighs> yeah, that is a really good one. And yeah, we didn't get it. We had to wait all the way until it came out on the DS. Do you know what year that was? Oh, God. Uh, well, 2009. Uh, 
funny story. I beat the game when we, you and I, Andy, went on a, a trip up north. You and, and uh, Scott uh, Mantucket. Oh, really? Yeah, I beat the game on the DS. Uh, uh, I don't think it was in 09. I think it was probably 010 or 011. Yeah. Uh, 011? Oh, 11. Yeah, correct. 11. I guess that works. 201. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah I'm not that year stupid. 2011. <laughs> Good year. <laughs> so we're all bringing everybody down. So Craig's got happy news, obviously. Well, not really. Uh, but well, so at this time, it was kind of a, oh, woo, kind of dodged a bullet moment. But it brings up something that is really depressing and terrible. Uh, so when a switch was accidentally flipped... It caused a failure in the cooling pumps, but an emergency system took over and prevented a nuclear meltdown on. Uh, it would have been like the day before this episode aired. The plant Fukushima, Japan, 70 miles northwest of Tokyo uh, in 2011. I think a lot of listeners will know after a really bad earthquake had hit the region, a tidal wave struck the plant. And after a series of really unfortunate events involving shutdowns, failing things like that, uh, three of the reactors had meltdowns. Uh, it's honestly very fascinating when I was, cause I didn't know that much about Fukushima. I uh, learning how it was just a perfect shitstorm because basically like their systems were prepared for things like tidal waves and stuff you know they you know they're on the coast of Japan they're they're aware that this can happen but like things that were supposed to like uh uh not shut down uh did shut down and vice versa and so it just was this like you know calamity that like shouldn't have happened but did uh but yeah i thought it was interesting that fukushima on this day in the detroit free press uh, uh all these years ago had an issue like yeah, that. that's interesting yeah and i do i have a question for you guys yeah is it uh, did somebody say eeny meeny miny bow to press the right button to <laughs> yeah. turn it off well first i was thinking like is he just describing homer defined like <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what a, I thought. is this a weird like clip show of a previous episode that you guys did why are we walking like this uh, uh but yeah uh do you guys uh do you guys have like actual dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour are we talking about simpsons today or is you know what, Andy? <laughs> we are. Get off my back. Let's talk about it right now. So the episode begins. We have, uh, oh, what is it? The voice of uh, uh, Troy McClure uh, talking with the uh, people, right? Because uh, he's talking about uh, uh, Laughlin, uh, Nevada. Laughlin, Nevada, which Loughlin, I yeah. looked up. Did not realize it's what like thirty miles south of Vegas. Yeah, it's a real it's city. Her, it's uh, a yeah, real city. Not surprised it was real. I was just population of seven thousand. Like Barstow, California, just like <laughs> it's just off the freeway. That's that's its claim to fame. Yeah, pretty much seven thousand people only. Seven thousand people, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bet they have a lot of fun there. <laughs> well, they have Miss America pageants. <laughs> Miss American Girl pageants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, uh, another kind of neat reference is uh, they have a commercial during the uh, this you know uh, special for Meryl Streep's versatility, smell like Streep for cheap, uh, which of course is not a real perfume, but was referenced in Blood Feud. Uh, that's the uh, uh, oh. perfume that Marge gets from Homer. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry, not Blood Feud. Uh, Lisa the Greek. When, uh, when he oh, gets right, the right, money. Right. Yeah, when yeah. he starts getting the money, he buys that perfume for Marge. Uh, shut up. Shut up. Kiss my butt. <laughs> Kiss my butt. <laughs> uh, so, uh, did you guys catch what all the, uh, in the background, all the uh, pageant contestants were wearing? And like what like they were, they were referencing? So, I have a list here. So, we have Vermont has a pancake outfit. <laughs> uh, Maine is dressed up like a lobster. Alaska is an Inuit with like an oil drum on her head. <laughs> That's yeah, not cool. Uh, Idaho is dressed like a potato. They're neat. <laughs> they sure are. <laughs> Texas is an oil rig. Illinois is Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> sexy Abraham Lincoln. I can't. Okay, okay wait. Uh -huh. Go back to sexy Abraham Lincoln for a uh -huh, second. Yeah. Because we need to talk about sexy Halloween costumes. I mean, if we must. <laughs> so this is the only time I'm ever going to get to bring this up. Do you know they have a sexy Mr. Rogers costume? Oh. I mean, oh. Uh, I can I can get there, I guess. Is it just the regular outfit because he was just a handsome man? It's like short shorts. <laughs> yeah. <what? laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, it's just basically a hot like sweater short vest. shorts and a sweater vest. Short shorts and a sweater vest. Mr. Rogers is rolling over in his grave. 
He really must be. Like, there's no way he wouldn't be. Right? I mean, Hot Mr. Rogers is everybody's fantasy, right? Uh, it's, I'm not going to say I, it's I, not I one guess of my I fantasies. didn't realize it was until now. <laughs> That's my land to make believe, let me tell you. <laughs> so, uh, Kansas is a tornado, which is a reference to Wizard of Oz, because all it has is a movie, apparently. Uh, South Dakota is Mount Rushmore. North Carolina is a cigarette. And uh, Indiana is a racetrack. And those are all we see before they're in like regular dresses throughout the rest of the country. I can't imagine the racetrack. I'm going to have to go back and, and catch that scene. That's She's fun. got a racetrack That's... around her head. Oh, okay. It's like those little like toy race cars that go oh, like, basically yeah, the, around her okay. neck. It's real goofy. <laughs> you'll you'll see it the next time and think, oh, yeah, I pushed this right out of my head because yeah, of how well, dumb Well, it's funny. This is. Like, as you start going through them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember this, but I... It, it must be just from years of seeing this episode, just mm-hmm. like storing it and not like really appreciating it. That's funny. That, I feel like I should have noticed that earlier. Oh, yeah. It's it's real weird stuff. Uh, do you have the judges for the pageant? You know, I oh, yeah. do. <laughs> uh, so, uh, oh, uh, uh, at this time, we also have Marge announcing that she's going to be in a streetcar or a musical version of a streetcar named Desire. And uh, she tells everyone that they're going to have TV dinners, which... TV dinners isn't really a phrase that's used anymore, is it? No. No, not really. No. 1953 Swanson Company made TV dinners, and like America kind of kept that lexicon going for a while, Yeah. but I don't think it's used anymore, is it? I've heard old people say it in grocery stores old people, before, okay. but it, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I've been a part of Broken Family, um, <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I feel like... I'm sure it still is from time to time, mm-hmm. but like it's it's got to be it's got to be more like, like one of those generation dying idioms for us. Yeah. Uh, so, Sean, uh, do you have the list of judges? I do have the list of judges right here. So we have got skincare consultant Rowena, who's become black. Yes, she changed color. Rowena is in a previous episode. Skincare consultant Rowena is one of the panelists in uh, uh, Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington. Yes, but oh. <laughs> we don't get my favorite panelist. Chilton Gaines doesn't come back. The wealthy gadabout? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but in his place, we get um, syndicated columnist William F. George. Not a real person. We don't ever see him again, I don't think. Token black panelist, Dredrick Tatum. <laughs> He's the champion. He's the heavyweight champion. They make him a token black panelist. That's just sad. Listen, they made him the token black panelist for the same reason that Chris Rock made the joke that Mahershala Ali may have two Oscars, but you know what he is when he black people pull him over? Another black guy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Now, now I'm sad. Yeah, America sucks. It always has <laughs> sucked. It will always suck. And our last uh, member is Mr. Boswell, the man behind those infamous worst dress lists. <laughs> what is it? He tells Goldie Hawn that cheerleader tryouts are over, or it's like there were 30 years yeah. ago. And I love Bart's line. And it's really, I would say, kind of an, at this point, become kind of an insensitive line. But when he laughs, he's like, he's such a bitch. I, there's something really like, I love the delivery of the line, yeah. even if it's kind of not a very nice thing to say, you know. Is it not? I mean, it's kind of reference to uh, that almost like effeminate interplay between. Yeah, it's like the you're a catty bitch. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm going for, though, is the fact that like, you know, making fun of him being effeminate. So, so he calls him a bitch. Mm. I feel like that's, you know, probably not great. It's, it's not so much making fun of him, though, just as like playful. Right, he's more fair. playful than anything. Because uh, it's not derogatory or anything. It's just he's a bitch. He's a <laughs> catty bitch. Yeah. That's fair. All right, that's fair. Uh, Some people take that and that, that is their style. They just show up and they make the room sparkle and they're a bitch. <laughs> so, I... Uh, we have uh, Homer goes through some some pretty funny uh, 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 lines when uh, it's like, what is it? Uh, like, you know, a butte from butte. Uh, and then it's like, you know, North Carolina. Nothing could be finer. Maine. Miss Delaware. Is actually Miss Delaware. Oh, Delaware. That's yeah. what it was. Uh, Delaware. And he's like, uh, good for her. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's great. Uh, also, we have a uh, uh, Deborah Dell Smallwood, uh, who Lisa's excited oh, about, yeah. uh, pops in, and she apologizes for her unfortunate remarks at the United Nations. 
So question for you two. Real quick pop quiz. I don't want to dwell on this too long. What do you suppose she said at the United Nations that she had to apologize for? So when you say pop quiz, do you actually have an answer? No, I have no it, idea. I'm just, I'm just oh, curious. So this is just an open... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, an op-ed, if is, you will. This is actually a reference to something that happened, wasn't it? Was there actually... Was any, I thought it was. I, I, don't, I could not tell be. you what it, what it is, but I, I could have swore that it was a reference to something that actually happened with a Miss America. Maybe? I don't know. Um, but if I had to guess, uh, you know, something racist... That's is where that, my guess would go. You know, something, something, uh, you know, against East Asians or maybe any brown person there. Um, just, yeah. Yeah, just in general racist. <laughs> I think that's... I didn't mean to take like a, a whole concept if you had a guess, Sean. But no, that was, just, that was my guess right there was something super racist. Because that's the easiest way to offend somebody is you don't know their culture. You point something out accidentally that's considered yeah. wrong. And it's boom. always like, well, back when, you know, my homegrown town, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, the Vanessa Williams one, that's different. I know that's because uh, she posed in what, Playboy? I was, yeah, I was trying to find scandal with Miss America, yeah. and I'm not necessarily seeing anything that's like involving the UN anyway. I, I could have swore it was something. Maybe historical. there's something similar. Maybe, maybe there is something. I, yeah. But, yeah, it might be something similar. I'm not sure. But, but yeah, not, I, yeah, I would have to guess uh, something know, racist. Very racist. <laughs> <laughs> not to bash Miss America pageant like contestees because they are incredibly smart women. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those videos with them where they're interviewed about things, but they oh, answer no. tougher questions than our president answers about politics. And it's actually freaking sad. Yeah. Look up some of the 2016 election Miss America pageant videos that The Daily Show did where they ask questions of like a bunch of the contestants it's insane it's well yeah it, it, i mean it, it's great that you know they yeah that they're not just like pulling dummies off the street that they're you know intelligent or whatever but uh i i guess it's just more sad that you know politicians don't know the answers to these questions they probably should uh but anyhow uh so i uh, you know, we have Marge, who's like, you know, on the piano trying to like sing in key and Homer's like, Marge, keep it down. And like every time she tries to tell him like, you know, I'm going to this like, you know, thing and like and then that she gets cut off. I also appreciate that uh, uh, even Maggie gets cut off. Uh, she plays on the little tiny cute xylophone Tchaikovsky's Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy and uh, the Homer yells at her, which Kind of makes you wonder why Lisa didn't catch that, but her and Bart are kind of in the zone well, that, watching TV. That's too. Uh, and that was something I noticed too earlier when we were watching. Is that there are several moments throughout, even like throughout the entire, uh, I guess, saga of like what we deem as canon. Is that what we what we call it here? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, it, it becomes <laughs> fan non fan fictionally. Yeah, Craig mentioned <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> so. Um, I've noticed that Lisa, you know, breaks that character from time to time. Uh, Lisa's not. I, I'm willing to even go so far as to say that uh, Bart is more the precocious, like the smarter one of the two, um, just because Lisa seems fraught with a certain laziness that happens every so often that she's cool with the whole brain dead activity. Whereas Bart not only owns it and is that, but also um, knows how to manipulate adults so well. <laughs> It's funny because Sean and I have made uh, made that argument quite a few times throughout uh, the even so far in these earlier seasons uh, that Bart is way more clever than like what, you know, he's depicted as is like yeah. this dummy and stuff. He learns French in a summer. That's Jay impressive. Sweet Bart. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, this is French Bart is speaking, but no, he's not from France. <laughs> Muzzy. Deep cut. Uh, so... We now have a scene that that I it actually kind of frustrates me a little bit. Marge is is leaving to go to her thing, and Homer says, "Where do you think you're going? <laughs> you know what my answer is, Homer? Anywhere I fucking want." Like that is so weird, right? Yeah. Where do you think you're going? Like I I get that maybe that's him, you know. Just like you know, I guess because he wasn't paying attention and stuff, he doesn't know, and so now she's suddenly walking out. But like. There's I mean, better ways to say it. <laughs> you could be a little more polite. You could say, oh, honey, where are you going? Well, is it, I think that's like the, the change of Homer's character from season one where he's this like, you know, buffoon of a father and a husband who like doesn't like he's just 
stumbling through life yeah into complete idiocy <laughs> in you know seasons three four five and six where it's like yeah he doesn't know how to talk to another person he's just a complete moron like <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that is true and he is so many like in this this exchange like it's almost like uh marge you should you should call somebody like you should talk to somebody <laughs> like you should you should really get on a hotline like a crisis line and talk about this because like shortly thereafter he he manipulates her. He, yeah, that's he, what offends <laughs> me more than anything. Yeah, he like what is that called? Uh, gaslighting. Yeah, when you yeah. Basically he convinces like, her that he's that she's wrong that she didn't tell him anything. <laughs> and so messed up. Even the kids back up Homer, which is even scarier. Sorry, now he's Mom. got them on the side. <laughs> I think I would know if you had told me. Yeah, Mom. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Game is what is it? Game match Homer. <laughs> yeah. Match point Homer. Match point Homer. <laughs> and so Marge apologizes and goes to this, you know, rehearsal or tryouts, auditions. Because it's not rehearsal yet. Uh, and so uh, as they're there, I think there's a kind of a funny, not f- I, I guess technically foreshadowing moment uh, where Wiggum walks by and he's singing off key. Yeah. And we know that he'll eventually sing off key uh, to the pack of dogs that he'll <laughs> release and then get mauled by. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, we also see Jasper doing ballet in the background. Is the reason he's able to move his leg up that much? It's fake. Wooden? Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the wooden one, right? Yeah. Because I almost think you hear as he jumps away, like in like a ballet type dive, like a, like a like a crash, like he falls to the ground. Like that's got to be him just like being senile and not realizing that he can't do ballet, right? I uh, we also find out that Flanders played Blanche Dubois because in a previous play because he went to an all male school, which begs the question: his parents were beatniks. Yeah, that didn't why really did they care. Yeah, why did they send him to an all male? School because it wasn't an all male school. He was an inmate there. He thought it was an all male school. Maybe <laughs> Flanders spent an entire summer getting spanked, or an entire <laughs> winter. He did spend a season getting spanked. That's that's got to do a number on ya. I uh, also random side note. Mm-hmm. I didn't know till I was fifteen that a streetcar named Desire was not a musical. My entire life, I thought it was a musical because of this episode. I, you know, I, I had always sort of had that under the impression for a long time too that it was a musical, and I because that's the only aspect I knew it in. I mean, that's fair. I mean, for us at our age, when this episode came out, and then when it like basically permeated the rest of our adolescence, Mm -hmm. we weren't studying film. Like no one would have like unless we had friends or like uncles or, or parents who were just like. Oh, you got to watch Casablanca. You got to watch Street. Like, we wouldn't have known that. Like, that this just, it's another reference of the Simpsons writers just like going way outside yeah. their range. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I became it, a film snob like at 16. So, yeah. So, like, they didn't want this. You know, they, they didn't plan necessarily plan for this show to be geared toward children. And sure. that's very obvious. So, yeah, the very true. fact that, um, that it kind of started to not necessarily devolve, but start to incorporate more of, you know, accessible humor to the younger generations. I, I think, um, you know, gets obfuscated behind such entire plot lines as doing a streetcar named desire. Yeah. I, and so I, we finally have, uh, Llewellyn Sinclair appear, uh, who is the person who's in charge of this play. He's the director and he's a little extreme at first. I, uh, and, uh, uh, as Marge is like, you know, oh, I should have taken that calligraphy class. I love that. Uh, uh, Wiggum is like, forget it. That Mr. Takahashi's a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you wonder who is this Mr. Takahashi and how is he so crazy that the town? Well, I guess Wiggum is a police officer. I guess he would know more crazy people than others. I suppose. Maybe Takahashi is like Miyazaki and he sent a katana to Wiggum telling him <laughs> that he will not mess up his calligraphy. <laughs> Did you uh, ever hear that story about Miyazaki? I don't think so. Uh, when uh, 
what was it? Disney got a hold of their movies. No, it's when Weinstein got a hold of um, Princess Mononoke because Weinstein was notorious for not only raping women but uh, <laughs> making horrible cuts to movies. Yeah, I, I, me, uh, Weinstein like sent over to Japan. He's like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna chop up this, 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 and trim it down. You know, whatever. And Miyazaki <laughs> sent a katana to him. And was like, if you want to cut through it, like you cut through me first. And so <laughs> that just went in in the full movie. No cuts. Because at that point, you know, yeah, you can't really argue with a person like that, I don't think. <laughs> or, or you don't want to, one or the other. Uh, but I, I, Llewellyn Sinclair uh, demands that all the men take off their shirts who are going to play, uh, try to go out, uh, uh, try out for Stanley. He starts yelling at him, and we see that uh, uh, in the crowd, we have Apu, Otto, Helen, Lovejoy, Jasper, Ned Flanders, Marge, Clancy Wiggum. Wait, Helen's shirtless? Uh, no. I'm, I was almost going to say unfortunately, but I kind of hate her, so screw her. Uh, uh, Ned and, and Marge and, uh, oh, who did I miss? Oh, Herman, and then uh, the weirdest one, Miss Albright, the Sunday school teacher is in that oh. list. She's in the, the, the you know, the, the you know, trying out. Does she get a role in the play in the end? I almost I, want to say there's somebody that kind of looks like her at the end, but it isn't exactly her. I think they just sort of took the character model and and she just got twisted around a bit here and there. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, Marge, you know, and all these other women. Oh, uh, we also find out that uh, Flanders is jacked. Yeah, Flanders is freaking jacked. This is the first shirtless jacked person we have. Oh, number two. Number two. Yeah, Craig and I would talk about this yeah, earlier. Yeah, uh, Willie in the uh, well, or the episode Radio oh, Bart. Right. That, that happened right before yeah, this. Yeah, he, right. he rips off the shirt and he's jacked. Uh, I, I always forget about that because I think of Willie ripping off his shirt in Sergeant Skim- Center, Skinner, uh, Skinner's badass song. Yes, uh, the, the Grease Me Up woman scene when he rips off his shirt. It's so weird that they would go with this joke again where this slopey-shouldered, uh, paunch-having character... <laughs> Would, like unassuming would just be completely jacked and like he's got a good frame like he's he's broad shouldered all of a sudden he's got solid packs he's got a six pack like see why why do this again that's what's kind, so it's kind of a weird repeat joke but, but maybe because flanders is perfect the flanders is basically depicted as like the perfect human being and maybe that was just sort of like the natural evolution of that gag of like him just being this great guy really nice you know uh, a wonderful churchgoer like all these these wonderful wonderful uh you know attributes he has and so it's just like well what does he look like when he takes off his clothes well he looks amazing if he's so perfect why is he a peddler of alcohol something he doesn't even consume himself because he just wants to share with other people sharing it is caring. sounds like he's trying to like you know Pour out the evils of society on the other so he can be more perfect. Shut caring up. is caring. Uh, but anyhow. Shut <laughs> uh, But so uh, Marge tries to sing when it's her turn and Llewellyn Sinclair wants nothing to do with her. Uh, he says he's like, you know, you're you know, nothing like you guys are worthless. He's like, ah, he's like, ah, why do I even try? And then we have Marge on the phone, a payphone. Which is also something, of course, we've talked about on the show before, just really hardly exists anymore. Uh, but uh, uh, Marge is like broken on the phone and she's talking with Homer and she's like, you're right. She's like, you know, outside interests are stupid. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I'll pick you up some chicken. And yeah, I'll get some with extra skin. Extra skin. What is, how does, what? I know I've heard this in the real world. I've heard people order extra skin. Yes, at, I have also heard at it. places like KFC. Yes. And I, essentially they just mean they want it crispier. They uh, you I don't know if you can actually get extra skin or if you just get it on the side just arguably, like pulled chicken but it's just skin. Arguably you could do chicken with extra skin cuz you can rip skin off chicken fairly easy and wrap it around things. Yeah. But here's the thing only one layer is going to crisp up, so it's just going to be like flabby layers of flesh underneath, and that's right. kind of gross. Yeah. But here's the thing about it, and I'm going to reference South Park here. Chicken skin on fried chicken is the best food in the freaking world. It is arguably maybe the best part because My of the, My favorite know. scene in any cartoon ever. Is it the one with Cartman? It's where so, Cartman eats so all of the chicken skin off of all the chicken, 
and the kids walk up and they just start crying. They're so sad. It is kind of funny that Kenny just immediately start crying after that. Uh, but anyhow, so uh, Llewellyn Sinclair grabs the phone. He yells at Homer to like you know leave his Blanche alone. Hangs up, and the commercial break kind of kicks in. Uh, you have uh, uh, Marge back at home. Uh, talking with the the family, you know, about how she got the part. And Lisa says that she feels like, uh, what is it, Lucy Arnaz uh, Luckinbill? Are you guys familiar with who that is? I am not. Isn't that uh, Lucille Ball uh, and Desi Arnaz? Yeah, uh, it is uh, their daughter. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Uh, it is their daughter indeed. Yeah, the Lucille Ball's uh, kin. I. Uh, at the time, she had married Luckinbill and, and then I think eventually divorced. She doesn't have that name anymore, I don't think. Uh, Bart asked the best question about this play I've ever heard. Well, what's that, Sean? Are there any jive talking robots in this play? <laughs> no, Bart, there are not. And I love that Homer is just so condescending to his own son and he's like, don't ask stupid questions. And then he's like, is there any frontal nudity? <laughs> and Marge looks really disgusted when Homer asks that. Maybe sad. Hard to tell. Maybe a little bit of both. Does he want his wife's tits on display, or does he want to see somebody else's? Like, we're going to find out Helen Lovejoy's Hel- in this yeah, play. Yeah, he wants to see Helen Lovejoy for sure. I'm sure Maud isn't in it, so he wants to see Helen Yeah, if Maud was in it, he'd want to see her yeah. tits, because yeah. he wants the peanuts. Not those ones. The ones at the bottom. <laughs> that is my least favorite scene of The Simpsons, and it makes me uncomfortable every time I think about it. I... So yeah, we uh, uh, we then find out who is playing all the characters. We have Helen Lovejoy as Stella, Apu Nahasapima Pedalon, which is the first time we hear his last name, and I think it had to have been just for the gag of him playing Steve, because it's Apu Nahasapima Pedalon playing Steve, and it's just so abruptly uh, you know of a cut. I feel like that's probably the gag, right? Yeah. Uh, Otto uh, plays Pablo. Uh, Lionel Hutz. Uh, is not only uh, uh, doing a class action lawsuit against uh, the director for cutting everybody, but he also plays Mitch. Uh, And Marge is playing Blanche. And uh, I feel like Llewellyn Sinclair is kind of a fun character, but he's so outlandish of a character that, like, he's so hurtful to those around him that when, like, Marge offers up the peanut butter brownies, he, he asks if anyone wants a bite of banality. Yeah. So we didn't bring up Llewellyn Sinclair. I can't talk today. God, he's voiced by John Lovitz. He is indeed. Uh, it's another John Lovitz character. We we've uh, had a, quite a few at this point. This in the is series. the point I was going to bring up: is that like every time John Lovitz actually plays someone, it is uh, always near or over the line of sociopathic, if not borderline <laughs> personality disorder. He's always someone who's just like very mean in very specific, hurtful ways. Except one. Oh, yeah, there's one where he's not. Professor Lombardo, her art teacher. I was actually going to include that one. I thought, like, isn't that guy, like, really mean at times? Like, I know he's very positive about, like, uh, what what was the one, what was it, just like a janitor painting? Yeah, was he, it? he's overly positive about everything. It's Marge's old art teacher in her mind that was negative to her. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the uh, old okay. one, the, the one time uh, Lombardo is iffy is when I... Uh, uh, naked she, burns. Yeah, the naked burns. When he when he like brings the glasses down and he's like, I don't know if I like this. Uh, okay. uh, but I because yeah, John Lovitz is a piece of shit to Marge all the time. <laughs> yeah, he really. Like, is. I don't know what it is if it's behind the scenes where they're like, yeah, he really plays off of her real well because <laughs> he's always paired up with her. Uh, he's paired up with her on the film festival. He yeah. tries to rape her as Artie. Uh, yeah, not a Professor fan of that. Lombardo was an awesome inspiration, and Llewellyn Sinclair is kind of. A nut sure. job? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it's it's less that he's like trying to be a jerk and more that it's just like he's just that outlandishly like kind of crazy. Like you, you know, yeah. you had said he was sort of bored this borderline kind of, you know, personality disorder. Yeah, Aristotle Amadopoulos is the only person he plays who isn't close to March. Oh yeah. Uh and even he's a well, he's not that big of a jerk or anything. He's just very spirited. Spirited? Yeah. Yeah. Uh so we have uh uh, you know the the you know they start trying to to act and uh, you know Maggie is like are like already on the bed which is kind of funny on the stage and uh, uh, you know 
uh, Sinclair tells, uh, you know, Flanders, he's like, you know, like, you're filled with animal passion. Throw her on the bed. And Flanders' response is, Roger Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> Throws her on the bed. And then uh, I love that uh, uh, Maggie grabs his glasses, puts them on, and he's like, oh, me without a camera. <laughs> And so, uh, next time I'm trying to get so I'm gonna say Roger Dodger, <laughs> Roger Dodger. <laughs> and so, I, uh, you know, uh, Llewellyn Sinclair has a sister who runs the Anne Rand School for Tots. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> so, uh, we find out that Maggie is allergic to pears. So that's kind of you know interesting side note. Uh, and uh, when she when Marge brings up the bottle. Uh, Llewellyn's sister, who is very clearly also voiced by John Lovitz doing just a higher pitched voice. And somehow I love that voice even more than like his regular voice. I don't know why. Uh, but when, when she's like, Mrs. Simpson, what do you suppose uh, a baby says when, you know, it asks for a bottle? Baba? No, she's saying, I am a leech. And like, she's just totally nuts. And uh, Marge is feeling iffy about it until she reminds her that the Anne Rand School for Tots is the only daycare in town not being investigated by the state. <laughs> and so we then have this very weird Maggie B story, which will almost never have another Maggie B story as she, you know, gets her pacifier taken away. Uh, but back at the auditions, I uh, Marge is you know having a little trouble. Uh, what would you what would you call a bottle that gets broken? What, what what's your what's your lingo for a broken bottle? Is it old face shredder? Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is for me. Like, what about you guys? I always think of the scene in Clerks too, and that's a little racist. So uh, I'm not gonna say that. We're gonna pass but on that's that what one. I think of when I hear it. What about you, Andy? Is uh, it old face shredder? No, it's it's not. I can say it's oh, not. Oh, okay. Is it just broken bottle? Probably. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so rarely am I having the reference them. So yeah, you don't play don't enough really Streets know. of Rage then. Oh no, I do. I just <laughs> <laughs> I always speak of it as a, a noun verb pair rather than a, <laughs> only a noun. <laughs> like oh, I broke that bottle over that guy's head. That's <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's fair. I uh, and so we have uh, uh, you know. Marge is having a little bit of difficulty with the part and uh, Llewellyn Sinclair is talking about how like, you know, uh, he's like, if, you know, says something to the effect of like, you know, if your mission was to, you know, uh, or if, if your intentions were to make the bile rise in the back of my throat, mission accomplished. And then he's like, he gets sad. And he's like, I'm going to go crawl into bed with a bottle of amaretto. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I. Uh, and then uh, back at home, uh, Homer is playing something that looks an awful lot like a Game Boy. <laughs> it does. The Bowling 2000. It's a Game Boy that only plays a bowling game. That or it's a, a handheld device with a very odd name that has a built-in game that's a bowling game. No, it's like a Tiger Electronics game, but it looks like a it's, Game Boy. Yeah. Interesting that in the bowling game, you can control the ball until the last second like a Tetris piece. I noticed that. <laughs> like, why wouldn't... Why, why wouldn't it be just more? Keep going straight? Yeah. Well, why wouldn't it be like? Yeah. Why wouldn't it be more of the mechanics of trying to get the ball from one end to the other rather than like, oh, where am I going to place it? Type of thing. Oh no. Here's a question. Why haven't? Why hasn't a, a video game company made a puzzle game that is basically like a bowling ball coming down on pins, and you need to line up the the hits to like knock them all over or whatever? Because it'd be too easy, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, probably. As opposed to trying to get the right trajectory. I mean, if you make it like Marble Madness, it would be kind of cool, where it's like a very obscure puzzle game <laughs> where it's hard to control and the controls are garbage. Marble Madness is great. Marble Madness is a video game. I'll grant you that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Play with uh, a trackball. Don't play it with a D-pad, you monster. I mean, that's yeah. That's probably my problem. You know, my, my fault there. Uh, so Marge asks for Homer to run lines with her, and uh, who does he offer up as a patsy? <laughs> Bart. Bart. As one would. As one father would. <laughs> Make Bart do it. Make uh, Bart do it in this incredibly erotic play. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Homer really shines as a jerk in this episode. And don't get me wrong, 
I uh, he's his lines are very funny, even though he's a jerk, which is kind of rare because you have episodes like War of the Simpsons where Homer's a jerk, but most of his lines are a little on the you know heavier, darker side, and it's a little harder to to laugh at a lot of his lines, you know, and, and when it's like marital type issues, I. Uh, but like, you know, he loses it his game and he's like, Marge, like he's like, you know, you know, you forgot that well, you're in o- your own little world. The other people are having problems, <laughs> too. And yeah, it's just, you know, Marge is not feeling it. At the daycare, uh, we have uh, Maggie, who's not having a very good time because she doesn't have her pacifier. Oh, uh, also, did you guys see the uh, signs uh, that were in the daycare? Yeah. Uh, a is a, a is A is my favorite one, and uh, helping is futile, <laughs> which is kind of Anne Rand's thing, right? Like that she she feels like there's no such thing as altruism. Uh, I I don't know a ton yeah. about her philosophy. So, I mean, I I have a lot to say about that. I don't know if it's all relevant, but um, <laughs> give us an yeah, well, abridged version. The, the A is A, of course, is a reference to positivism, and then of course the helpful thing is the other side. It's a very cold. Uh, philosophy and yeah, her, her her thoughts were that um, yeah, altruism was not not that it couldn't exist, but that it just wasn't um, beneficial. That it was a waste of that it, to consider it as a duty was manipulative. Um, so her thing was always that you know uh, selfishness was a virtue, and she has a whole collection of essays on that. Um, another thing to note is that although we haven't gotten to it yet, is that Maggie's solution to the problem is very Randian. Um, but then the other side of it is, and I, I don't think this is a complete reference to it, but to say that we're the only daycare not being investigated by the state, um, is of course a reference to, you know, the corrupt daycares, but it's also mm-hmm. a reference to the minimization of state and regulation. Uh, cause Ayn Rand was very, very pro capitalist. Um, and so any in- intervention of the state in anything in, in her eyes was, um, totalitarian and, and evil and, and essentially communist. So, mm. so yeah, I'm, not sure. I'm not sure if the if the writers were really going for that in that moment, but that is interesting yeah. though. I uh, and uh, uh, there's a movie reference here, right, Sean? So this is all a movie reference to The Great Escape. Yeah. So lay that on our uh, listeners in case they don't know the movie. So The Great Escape is a movie. Um, that basically takes place in World War II, and it's about a bunch of POWs trying to escape from a camp. And um, it stars Steve McQueen, and basically, Maggie is Steve McQueen in this. So that's pretty Steve cool. Steve McQueen has like this thing where he bounces a ball off the wall to entertain himself. Oh, okay, a baseball, so baseball, like- and Maggie does the same thing. We get the theme for the Great Escape that copyright cop copyright song. Yeah, so uh, they got a hold of the the rights of the song, and uh, I don't remember where I saw it. There was some interview I saw uh, where they had made mention of the fact that they uh, one of their like proudest uh, kind of Simpsons sound moments was hearing the Great Escape theme with the like the Simpsons orchestra, like the the Simpsons like you know style done you know doing it, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Which is a great movie. It's like two and a half hours long and totally worth it if you ever want to watch a great movie. That's like. A serious Hogan's Heroes, essentially. I do like Hogan's Heroes. Love that Colonel Clink. Oh, uh, we also see uh, uh, when Mackie makes a mess of her first operation trying to get the pacifiers out. Uh, uh, there's an Ann, another Ann Rand reference. Uh, Fountainhead? Yeah, she's reading the Fountainhead Diet, which is just you know referencing the Fountainhead, you know, one of her books. Uh, but I... Uh, you know, back over at, uh, you know, the uh, trial or not tryouts, the uh, uh, rehearsals, we have uh, Marge who's asking, why can't st- uh, uh, Blanche just take, you know, uh, Stanley's abuse with like gentle good humor? <laughs> and I. Uh, Which goes back to our point <laughs> earlier about the manipulation yes. of Homer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Llewellyn is yelling at Marge. He's like, Marge, he's like, I'm asking for white hot rage. You're giving me a hissy fit. Homer's there. And he's like, Marge, like, time to go. And he's like, I want, like, you know, I want, like, you know, like uh, change for the candy machine. And Llewellyn Sinclair's like, here. And he just, like, grabs a handful of change and throws it. And we have Homer who's like, hey, there's supporters in here. Which is supposed to be such a, uh, like, dehumanizing, like, gesture. 
And Homer's oh, yeah. not phased in the least. <laughs> Homer's excited. <laughs> it's... I've thrown change at somebody before. It's pretty dehumanizing. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've done it before. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain spite and resentment that you're trying to get across. Oh, yeah. That. Absolutely. And Homer's not affected. Uh, and so we have, uh, uh, you know, Homer in the background. Oh, also, uh, with, with Homer's incredible jealousy of Ned Flanders, is it weird to you guys that, like, he's in this play with Marge, having, like, technically, like, sexual tension with her, and he's jacked, and Homer does not care in the least. I, I think it's so weird that it doesn't come up once, that his I, yeah. jealousy's never seen. I don't think Homer notices the sexual tension between it. <laughs> There's also, yeah, I think that's I, I think a good he's not paying attention at all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's really not paying a whole heck of a lot of attention. That's I, very I think true. He his... thinks this whole activity is stupid, essentially. So yeah. anything Flanders doing is dumb. He doesn't care. That's, yeah. Yeah. What, what's he say? At outside interests are stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I think, yeah, his the way he sums up at the end of the play, I think, kind of speaks volumes to the fact that, like, it'll probably be several episodes before in this Homer reality before he actually got what he missed. Where it's like, oh, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, wait. Uh, and so uh, while Homer's like honking the horn outside, uh, Marge finally breaks, smashes the bottle, and just like legitimately tries to hurt Ned Flanders as she imagines it's Homer. <laughs> and Luella Tickler is like, like, hallelujah, I've done it again. And he's like super excited. And Ned Flanders really can't get her off because she's just so pumped with adrenaline and she wants blood, which we'll see later. She gets a bit of. <laughs> Back at home, we have Marge who's, you know, got one more day left before the play. And, uh, you know, she's talking in like a southern accent. Homer doesn't get it. Uh, Bart tries his own accent, which doesn't help. Uh, and so when Marge is like, I'm going to go next door and do these, you know, lines with with Ned. Uh, he's like, well, what about dessert? <laughs> and she's like, for God's sake, Homer, you can take the lid off of the pudding can yourself. Uh, which is another thing that you can't find anymore. Can't you find. cannot. Yeah. Uh, well, so a couple things. Of course, this is also going to pop up in, uh, 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 what is it, Marge versus the monorail. The ring came off my pudding can yeah. is something we'll see uh, later. But yeah, no, uh, uh, pudding in, in aluminum cans isn't really a thing, is it? Do you see it anymore, Sean? You see it in large amounts of pudding if you go to like Gordon Food Service, but that's okay. the only way uh, okay. I've ever seen it. I, I yeah I, I looked online to find out maybe like if there was a time when it ended and I couldn't necessarily find like an exact like stop date. Uh, I will say that I feel like when I first started working in a grocery store, I feel like maybe I had seen like the pudding in the can, but it wasn't necessarily like this where it was a small single serve. It was like a larger one. It was like a uh, like a you know bigger size, and it was more for like oh you're gonna mix this into like a cake mix or something. Don't bother doing it yourself. Here you go. That might be an American thing because I've seen spotted dick in a can like that. Oh, the the British dessert, which has a wonderfully hilarious name. Do you get it? Spots are funny. Yeah, I can see that. Spots <laughs> are fun. He was the funniest of all of the 101 Dalmatians. Indeed. Uh, and so... Why did they name a dog Spot? They're all Dalmatians. You know, I didn't really not, ever not, not to sidetrack it, but that's a really dumb name for a Dalmatian. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's a good name for a Dalmatian when it's the only one, not when there's like, you know, 100 more of them. I, uh, but I, I... This has got to be a reference to the movie version of Streetcar Named Desire, right? Uh, when Marge is, goes to Flanders' house and Homer's outside with like the oh, pudding yeah. can. Yes. And he's like, hey, Marge! Because yeah. uh, who... Who's supposed to be yelling Stella. Yeah, who... But, I'm trying to... Yeah, Stella. But who? Uh, who is the actor who played... Brando. Marlon Brando, yeah, right? It's Marlon okay. Brando. I was trying to think of who the, the that actor was. I... Uh, but, you know, Marge is inside Flanders' house and she's like, you know, makes a, a disparaging remark about like him being a big ape. And Flanders, being the nice guy he is, is like, oh, don't you think you're being a little hard on homie? He calls him homie, which is kind of weird, right? Yeah, because only Marge has ever called him homie, right? Yeah. Has he ever called him homie? I don't think anyone once. ever. I don't think anyone has. <laughs> and I don't think anyone ever will. Do you suppose that's like kind of like a. a uh, like he he like it implies that he's friends with Marge, 
you know, and so she calls him homie. And so like in the sense of talking about her relationship with him, it's, oh, don't you think that you should like cut homie some slack or whatever? I think he was trying to purposely provoke her by referring to what he call what she calls him when she's, you know, being nice or like soft toward Homer. I, I think, think he's being manipulative. <laughs> I'm just going full manipulative in this episode. I think everyone's trying to manipulate Marge. I think Flanders was actually a jive talking robot and calling him a homie. Actually, actually I did not even think about that. That it's you know, that it's actually fit. it just legitimate jive talking robots the whole time. My God, it's one or the other. Either Sean or myself is right, or we're both right, or you're is... wrong, Craig. <laughs> Craig's just wrong. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, while, while, you know, Flanders tries to defend or manipulate one or the other, <laughs> uh, Marge, she's like, let's branch at the bottle seat. It smashes the bottle. And we see that, uh, he has like a patch with three little tiny wounds <laughs> on his chest. She got a hold of him. Yeah, she stabbed him. Yeah. Uh, and so in bed, Marge is, is, you know, talking with Homer and he's like, you know, all right, like, when is the show? <laughs> and she's like, you know, why? Like, you know, do you even care? And he's like, well, I kind of have to go. And uh, she's like, there's not even going to be any bowling in this. And then she pauses. She's like, oh, wait, there is. And he's like, yeah, but not much of it, I bet. <laughs> and he's being such a baby. I, you know, and so. Uh, Homer tries to to take her down though. He's like trying to like you know manipulate her again, and he's saying that like oh I'm all, like I'm always dealing with your kooky projects, uh, and uh, one of the the first which one which isn't wrong, right? <laughs> like doesn't Marge always have some weird projects going? Well, here the are art. some of the yeah. So <laughs> painting class, I don't know if that's kooky. First aid <laughs> class, Lamaze oh, yeah. <laughs> <Lamaze> thing. <laughs> Uh, which is funny when when our friends uh, have have like you know done the Lamaze thing you know I always like t- like I'm always like oh that like kooky thing like you don't need that and they're always like ah oh, no I'm pretty sure I do I uh, but I uh, I uh, you know Homer then you know because when when Marge is like you know like what you know like flabbergasted by this you know uh, like you know. Why would you, you know, why would you ever think this? And he's like, yeah, I'd never tell you this or anything. I don't want to hurt your feelings. And then he's like, good night. And he passes out. <laughs> <sighs> and then back at the uh, Ayn Rand School for Tots, uh, we have uh, uh, the, you know, uh, w- what is potentially Miss Sinclair. Uh, and she's like, play nicely, little humans. She's like, hello, Maggie, you little dullard. <laughs> it's like, man, that's rough. But we once again have another great escape scene. And I, uh, there's a, a particular part that I'm very curious about. So Maggie, you know, gets the bag and she goes up. And obviously this is a cartoon and, you know, it's, it, you know, doesn't really need to make sense because this is a baby doing all this stuff or whatever. Is it the Toy Krusty's great line? Because I love what it says. By the first or second one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kids, I'm flame retardant. <laughs> if I break, buy a new one. <laughs> no, it's the, the ballast that she drops in the office to get the keys. The bottles. There's no bottles at Ann Rand School for Tots. Yeah. yeah. They develop the bottle within. Oversight. <laughs> they ruined the episode for me. <laughs> but so. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and so I uh, I uh, Maggie gets all the pacifiers for all these babies and you know and it's I uh, I uh, I don't remember which one of the uh, I think it's Matt Groening it might be one of the the writers or potentially one of the other show creators uh, but hailed this as Maggie's greatest moment like the her doing this and to a degree I kind of agree because it's like yeah. Maggie doesn't have a lot of other big moments after this she shot an old man that's pretty big. But is it as big as this? I mean, how old were you when you shot your first man? Like seven. Maggie's been one for what at this point seven years. I guess it balances so. out. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have uh, Homer arrive, and Sean, you're gonna have to fill me in because we see Alfred Hitchcock walking his dogs afterwards outside the the uh this scene when homer goes in walks past babies picks up maggie and leaves this is a, a hitchcock uh, scene right it's a reference to the birds 
Oh, is it? It's the scene where they walk up and all the birds are still and they slowly walk up and then they walk away as all the birds turn and look at them. Creepy. I, uh, I've not seen uh, the birds in a long time. Which is why we have Hitchcock walk by because Hitchcock yeah. always makes a cameo in his own films, thus him walking by. I knew it had to be a Hitchcock reference because of that, uh, but I wasn't sure which one it was. Uh, but I... Uh, so... You know, it's it's the the opening night of the play, uh, only one night. Like it's only a one night show. Uh, and That's a lot of work for a one night show, <laughs> especially laser shows. Also, you have to consider, and he references this at his previous plays. There have only ever been one night as well, and that's one heart attack per one show <laughs> per one night show. That's that. You're right. That's way too much work. It's a lot of work. And certain thing, Homer was right. Outside interests are stupid. <laughs> So, uh, Llewellyn Sinclair gives a rousing speech to everybody, except for Otto, who's not working out. He's going to play his part. <laughs> He's a drag. Uh, and then they start uh, the song where they disparage the city of New Orleans. Yeah, they pissed New Orleans right the hell off. They did. Uh, so, in the next episode, uh, the chalkboard gag was changed to I Will Not def- uh, Defame. I believe it's defamed. Yeah, I will not defame the city of uh, uh, New Orleans. Uh, now, it's referenced as the Sodom and Gomorrah on the Mississippi. Andy, I know you visited New Orleans quite a few times in the last few years. Yes. Uh, yes, I love that town. I would never say anything negative about it. But would you say that it is the Sodom and Gomorrah on the Mississippi? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's not a bad thing. Um, Listen, anywhere along the Mississippi is the Sodom. The Gomorrah is just the extra part. Hmm. I, I've seen Deliverance. I know how this works. Uh, uh, well, uh, he's all—he's not wrong. But once again, like these aren't bad things. Uh, <laughs> no, no, New Orleans is freaking sweet. It's one of my favorite cities in the country. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see who's in the uh, the crowd? Uh, who's watching? Otto. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we know Otto. <laughs> we know Otto's there. I. Uh, uh, what's weird is, so we have uh, one that's of, of particular interest. We have Sanjay, Grandpa, Patty, Selma, uh, you know, of course, Homer, Bart, Lisa, Maggie. Uh, uh, we'll eventually find out that Eddie and Lou are there. Uh, but we see Llewellyn Sinclair's sister come in and she looks a little exasperated. <laughs> and apparently there was a cut scene. Uh, and I don't know if they actually like, you know, uh, uh, drew it out and had it or if it was just a plan scene apparently one of Maggie's stunts was going to be to lock her into her office oh wow and so that was her getting like out like from the the you know the office in and like that's why she looks a little disheveled I uh, I thought that was kind of weird and interesting I uh, but I so we watched the them go through this song or I'm sorry go through this musical series of songs and, you know, we have uh, uh, basically it's a streetcar named Desire, but just as a musical. And Homer actually kind of starts to get a little captivated once Marge appears. Uh, but I. Uh, oh, uh, also, as a side note, uh, the Evening Star does not seem to be an actual newspaper from New Orleans, although it was a Baptist church at one point in New Orleans. And, you know, that's what I got out of there. Uh, but I. Uh, so the show ends. Homer seemingly has kind of, you know, maybe not paid attention. His head is kind of down. Uh, Marge is a little feeling a little iffy about that. Uh, but, I love that shot, by the way. Oh, of the curtain going down. You see Homer like full, kind of forlorn and looking yep. down. Uh, I also uh, really appreciate. So I pointed this out to Andy and I didn't even notice it until he and I were watching it uh, for him to do his research for this episode. Uh, did you see the far right person on the stage taking a bow? No. It's a dude in a bear suit. <laughs> I mean, it's like a guy Orleans. in like an animal suit, like holding the animal head. It's that's not in a streetcar named Desire, right? There's the bear. Oh, is there? Yeah, he was a member of New Orleans Council. Oh, I didn't know that. I'll be danged. I mean, what? What? Do you think there's not a bear in a streetcar named Desire? When was you watching? Brando fights You him. also have to assume that it's in one of the later acts of the play. Otherwise, why is that guy still wearing that costume? Okay, somebody is has to love drawing bears on The Simpsons. <laughs> because we're going to get one in the next episode, too, that's well, very weird and out of place. It's weird, though. It's not like most of the bears 
in Simpsons episodes. It yeah. looks a little different. Like they went out for like scary costume bear. <laughs> yeah, it's real It's not weird. like doofusy looking like graining rabbit bear. <laughs> I have to go back and look at that. Yeah, yeah well, it was weird. I probably would either if I've ever noticed it before. I definitely never registered. <laughs> so. Uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, Bart swinging around on the, the rope because, you know, uh, Blanche Dubois, uh, Dubois gets like kind of like flung around on the rope to simulate the fact that she's descending into madness. And so Lisa goes ahead and drops him when Marge appears and uh, Marge calls out Homer that, you know, he wasn't paying attention. And, uh, you know, so so Homer sends the kids out and he explains to Marge that he felt bad for uh, Blanche, you know, that like, you know, Stanley's this big oaf who didn't appreciate her, didn't respect her. And I, you know, he doesn't remember Blanche's name at first. Uh, But, you know, I, as far as that goes, you know, Marge is kind of won over. She feels like Homer began to appreciate her. And to me, it's almost a little too little too late <laughs> to a degree because he's been such a jerk. Well, uh, also, he couldn't just clap at the end of the fucking play. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you, you can be sad and clap at a play, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. If it made you think and realize how bad you were to your wife, uh, you should begin with clapping for her performance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a that's big, and so uh, the 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 couple walks outside. Uh, presumably, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie have already gotten to the car. And there's actually a really cool shot here of uh, and I, I've told Sean a million times. I love when we see Springfield not in broad daylight. We see the full moon in the background in this alley outside of the auditorium, and it's a really cool shot uh, of like you know looking out onto the street or whatever uh, as you know. Uh, Marge and Homer hold you know hold each other and and he you know Homer realizes hey I'm a little like that Stanley guy and Marge says well maybe a little you know and they kiss or whatever and that's the end of the episode what we don't see is they get shot and then Bartman begins <laughs> it makes a lot of sense actually the, <laughs> I think this was the last episode of the Simpsons you're right this is the canonically <laughs> the final episode uh, and then the comic series Bartman appears uh, after that in canon so that's the episode, guys. So what do you guys think the lasting impact is for this episode? Sean, let's start with you. It's our first, first musical episode. Yeah. Uh, we haven't had one yet. We haven't really had, like, big Simpsons songs yet. We've had, like, the Michael Jackson song. We had that, and we had the talking baseball, but that was kind of just the end credit song. Yeah, it wasn't that was played a parody in the episode. of another song. Yeah, this is an actual uh, uh, Simpsons song. It's, like, one of the first, yeah. Uh, what about uh, for you, Andy? What do you uh, say the lasting impact is? Uh, I, th- I think Sean's right. I think it's. Um, I mean, we see this with a lot of comedies or uh, drunk or animated comedies. Mm-hmm. Is that essentially as soon as they figure out they can do well, quote unquote, like Family Guy, South Park, all the terrible ones did it, where they get away with a musical episode. They're like, oh, we can make people love our our songs. Like we can get away with this, and they just like roll with it. And Simpsons did that quite a bit after yeah. that night. Um, that's, I, I actually credit the Simpsons with my late blooming into thinking that, uh, musical and comedy can go together. Mm -hmm. Uh, it wasn't until like 2016 that I realized that that's possible. Um, so yeah, I, I think that is, I think that's it. I, I don't, um, I mean, outside of some smaller gags, like, um, like Otto, Otto's participation in the masses, <laughs> rather like never being the hero, like in you know in a later episode of the bowling episode where like he gets kicked off, but like and then but he wins, he ends up winning. Like in this episode uh, afterward, like um, uh, Llewellyn yells out to the crowd, he's like, "No, you guys are the stars." And Otto's like, "Cool." Like, <laughs> like <laughs> that's that to me is like it's the it's kind of the reification of Otto because the Otto show was in season. three. 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 Yep, yeah, we just went through. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so it makes sense. I like throughout. We we see the rebuilding of of Otto through through non participation, <laughs> just being a sponge. Yeah. <laughs> sponge. I'll a show leech. you what a sponge can do. <laughs> I. Uh, to me, I feel like the lasting impact is, and I absolutely agree about the music stuff. I. Uh, but this is also. Uh, 
uh, another rare episode where we have Marge pursuing outside interests, which as the seasons go on, will trim down lower and lower and lower. And, you know, it just doesn't happen as often. Uh, but, yeah, this is like a, Marge is an actor. We also find out that uh, Marge did some acting in school, you know, back when she was more active and, you know, doing a lot more stuff. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I think the music stuff and the fact that, like, you know, Marge is having these like outside interests is the, the real big lasting impact for the episode we also can't forget that this is an episode that really pissed people off like they had to apologize that is rather interesting pretty big impact that they had to apologize they pissed people off it's funny to me that like new orleans took it that seriously i mean i guess i get it it's like your city and like they're they're really taking a dump on it but like i don't know i feel like if if like detroit is made fun of very frequently. And Detroit complained about it. Ten years ago when Kimmel and Colbert used to make fun of Detroit all the time. Detroit and uh, really? its supposed inhabitants. And I mean, by that I mean the people who grew up in our areas. Like, right, the suburbs. The, they were the ones who took the most city. offense. It's like, okay. Like, even 30 Rock had a great great joke back in, like, 2007. Um, it was a gl- uh, uh, climate change joke where mm-hmm. um, just on a news report on, on the radio you hear, like, oh, this, uh, there were uh, tornadoes in Detroit last night, which put out several fires. It was just very brief. It was like, well, that's that's hilarious. Like you can't, we can't be that upset. Like uh, when the Pistons were in the finals in 0405, uh, Camel came out and made jokes about like rioting. It's like, well, yeah, it's not just ours for sure. Like college yeah. towns are way worse. White white kids who've been drinking near frat houses are way worse than the city of Detroit uh, as far as rioting goes and damage goes. Um, you know, so it's you know it, it was. It's happened for several years to Detroit, but, you know, so what? <laughs> Grow up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Who cares? It's, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I tell you what, guys, as we uh, close this out, let's go ahead and uh, go over our favorite quotes from the episode. Uh, so, Andy, what was yours? Mine stems from, so although I really like the Delaware joke uh, where Homer can't think of something that rhymes with <laughs> Delaware. Uh, which, yeah, you know, no fault to his own. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't blame him for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he also gave credit where credit's due. He said good for her. Uh, mine comes from the second scene in bed when Homer's playing his bowling game. And he's like, well, what time should I go? And then Marge is like, why aren't you being supportive? And he's like, because I don't care. <laughs> and I I use this so frequently in my life that it's it's pretty much it's damaging it's so damaging to my life and social relationships but it's still so funny to me that it's so hard to not use it so it's a very important and very funny quote uh, sean I, how about i've used you? that quote before i'm not gonna lie I've used, I, I don't care so my favorite is just Llewellyn sinclair's introduction i have directed three plays in my career and i've had three heart attacks that's how much i care i'm planning on a fourth and then they talk about Mr. Takahashi, and he says, I'm not an easy man to work for. While directing Hats Off to Hanukkah, I reduced more than one cast member to tears. Did I expect too much from fourth graders? The review, play enjoyed by all, speaks for itself. I was hoping you were going to do his uh, uh, accent on Hats Off to Hanukkah. <laughs> My favorite uh, quote is actually, uh, I'm cheating in this one. Uh, I have, uh, I think it's three different lines or three different scenes where Bart wants to speak in a different voice. (laughs) And I don't know why I love it so much. Uh, Actually, no, I think it's two scenes uh, with three different lines. Uh, Bart goes, it all talks like this. Bob's your uncle, mate. Can I slog off school tomorrow? Got a pain in me, Gulliver. Looking for a spark of fun with the missus, eh, governor? (laughs) 